You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, are they men or are they gods or are they something in between we'll discuss that today without trying to go into why their movie was absolute garbage on the second print comics podcast I am the remarkable Remzo Martinez, bringing to you live, well not live, because that would require us to actually do this live, from Mexico himself, Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, uh, I know this is not a film review, but it was ironic because we've wanted to cover The Eternals for a while, and we were super excited about it, and honestly, after watching it, and then having to get back to reading these issues in preparation for today's episodes, I'm just feeling kind of mess. So I'm hoping that the power <laughs> of Jack Kirby himself can make people at least appreciate the good quality that this book is as we get into it today. Yeah, it's been kind of uh, Eternals week, basically, for me here. I just saw Eternals about a week ago, and then I read the very first iteration by the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Kirby, that we're going to look at today. And um, why don't we just, you know what? It's been a couple weeks. I think we can give, I don't know if we'll end up talking spoilers or not, but why don't we just give a fair warning right now? We're going to talk Eternals for a few minutes. And if you don't want to be spoiled, I don't know what's going to happen. So skip forward a little bit if you don't want the movie spoiled. Um, that being said, you already kind of spoiled your, your thoughts on it a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's all about expectations for me because I, I like as a film, like it's not a, it's not truly trash. Like it's, it's, it's well made and it's not terrible. Like the visually it's okay. I'm just making excuses. This was a drag. This was a bore. Um, I, and I, I honestly like halfway through the movie, I, I, I was like apologizing to my wife. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Like, <laughs> and, and it did, it had its moments and I'm, I am mostly very excited today. I'm glad we're doing this right now. Cause I'm excited to kind of compare some elements of the movie to some elements of the original iteration of the comic book. They do have some things in common and we'll get to that. They also have some things very, very different from each other, but just, we both know each other's general thoughts, but what was your, see, the thing is, I don't, I didn't have huge expectations for, for Eternals. So I, you know, it's, I just wouldn't, I can't imagine sitting through that. Here's the deal. It was, it should not have been longer than, I know I'm trying to talk, I'm talking myself in circles on this thing. It should not, there's no way you can justify this film being longer than end game. Yeah. End game deserved its length. This did not. I mean, this is longer 
I don't know if this is the longest. It's the longest. Is it the MCU longest? Movie. Like, is yep. like, man, we had the, the Avengers. Like we had Endgame. Like we had movies where you could have justified a longer runtime. And typically I'm like, you know, for the price you're paying for the box office, I want more movie than my money because I, I get mad when I feel like my money didn't go as long as the movie should have gone. Um, but, you know, like I, I did a Repso rant. So for, for our patrons, uh, if you haven't listened to it, you can go back. And I did a I said I think I'm pretty sure I call this spoiler free review, but I basically spoiled a good ton of it. So sorry about that. If you already listened to it, and I've screwed it up for you. But odds are like this is the first film where it's like I spoke into a lot of like diehard MCU people and they didn't go watch it or they didn't go watch hmm. it at least on the premiere weekend. Well, they're not that diehard then because I couldn't even stay away. And I, I'm just because now I'm well, I'm part of it, too, is my responsibilities as the co-host of a comic book podcast. I feel like an extra obligation to know, know some more than the average person, I guess you could say. What we're saying is we write off movie tickets on our taxes. <laughs> uh-huh. But um, no, I mean, 100 I, pesos, baby. So so right here's here, here's the deal with me. One, I like I like longer run times when they make sense. Uh, I felt like, you know, for the most part, it, it did what it needed to do. But I absolutely agree. This one was way too. This was no Snyder cut. It did not justify three hours. Um, no. And then, you know, I, I'm happy that this did not try and follow the Marvel gimmick of being a light comedy uh, that I do appreciate because it was not a comedy and not every movie needs to be a comedy. And sometimes you need to, you know, just double down on what the genre of the story actually is. I mean, I I always said that Doctor Strange is probably my first big disappointment in the MCU because Doctor Strange. And it's actually like my second favorite origin movie. Doctor Strange is a horror character and you don't make him a you don't make him make jokes. You don't you don't you don't turn the cape into the, the magic carpet from Aladdin. Like I get why they did it, but you don't you don't do that, and it, it it bothered me because I was such a fan of the Doctor Strange animated film from 2007. So like I'm happy that Eternals didn't try and be a comedy. Um, they they uh, did some stuff. I'm glad that they're actually moving into some more adult themes. Did you notice that this is the first Marvel film since Iron Man that implied that two people had sex? Yeah, and it was actually made quite clear that they were in the nude, were, which is it's pretty racy for a PG thirteen MCU. Yeah, I mean for for Marvel Disney, like you know that was that was a lot. Um, I, I also like like you know who I actually liked in the movie more than any other character, which says a lot about the movie. Sprite because he's in it because he's in it for three minutes. Is is Dane Whitman <laughs> the Dane Whitman character? Uh, what's oh, that was yeah that that was such a Kit Harrington. Yeah, Kit Harrington. That was such a disappointment. Like you know that. They, they, I wanted to see freaking Black Knight. They actually made him out in the commercials to appear like he was some type of government agent or something. So when it was like, oh, he's just a teacher who's Cersei's boyfriend. It's like, shut the fuck up. So, I mean, all in all, like, I, I like the fact that Marvel was willing to try. I can't be mad. I actually like Chloe Zhao. Like, Nomadland was a good movie, and I've seen some of the other stuff. I like the fact that they're willing to give different directors a shot at it. And, you know, like, this wasn't the super woke film that people said it was going to be, so I appreciate that. This wasn't, you know, um, some of the stuff that some more conservative-leaning people were complaining about. I think everyone equally found something they didn't like about it, but that's none of the reasons why I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it was such it, it was it was too much of a you know of a course change and it just ended up just making everybody mad. Nobody liked it. The, the weird thing about this movie is despite its length, it 
felt rushed. Like a lot of the plot felt rushed because they were just trying to do so much in such a, it wasn't a short amount of time. It was almost three hours, but they, they, they were trying to fit so much story and so many characters in that none of it really clicked to me. Cause I never really had the chance to even feel for any character. I just felt like I'm bouncing from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing here. And then next thing I know, it's like, Icarus is turning on and then Sprite's turning on her and then, but then they're all fine two minutes later. It's like, it's like too many double turns and turning on each other to have everything be, be happy, go lucky by the end of it. What was weird for me and maybe this shows that I'm getting older, but this idea of Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek being second string characters in the film. Yeah. And not being upfront sex goddesses. Yeah. Yeah. Like I still think of Selma (laughs) Hayek from, you know, from, uh, uh, from dusk till dawn, this idea of her playing like, you know, nicer grandma. It's like, come on, maybe this is just my toxic masculinity spilling out, but show some skin for crying out loud, lady. You still look <laughs> awesome. Don't yeah. tell me Marvel didn't want to go ahead and give you something a little bit more pro- provocative. Come on. Yeah. You're telling me I got Angela Lena Jolie as the goddess of war, but she's in a white sheet the whole time. And she's crazy. And she barely talks. I can't remember a single line or a moment where this was the, the mad weary. Yeah. I mean, the mad weary. She, she, this is, this was Hollywood's leading lady and she, you know, whether you like her or not, like this felt weird. It felt like she was really phoning it in. I think at the end of the day, to me, this just was like, we want to do this. We want to bring in the Eternals because we just want to make more shit, more toys, more franchises, more movies. And we want to do cosmic stuff. So we're just going to jam it all into this movie and see what happens. And like, I like the idea that Marvel lets these other directors come in and like Chloe Zhao is this like renowned director or whatever. And like, I can't really say that with her. Like she, I'm not upset with yeah, her like either, but I, with her. I don't think she did a bad job or anything, but I, I think you can tell when a director is not versed in the material and doesn't have the passion for the material. And I think that comes across and I, I just, I just don't think maybe I got her all wrong. I don't think Chloe's Zhao was reading Eternals when she was a kid. Frankly, I don't think anybody was reading Eternals when they were a kid. No. So maybe that's not anybody's fault, but I, I can just tell she's, I, I don't think she's a comic fan, you know, and I'm not saying that every director needs, cause we're, we're making movies, not comics, but I do feel like you can just tell when that love is there and when it's not and it's nothing it's more of a gut feeling thing than any any technical criticism i can make of it but I, that's just how i feel about it yeah i mean look, look at the commercials for eternals even now in post-release uh all the stuff i'm seeing on facebook and on instagram they have to show clips from other previous marvel movies at the beginning of it to remind people that this is a mcu film because it's almost like, listen, I, we know you're reading the reviews. We know your friend probably didn't like it. But please, you have to see this. It's a Marvel movie. You, you have to see it because it'll it'll be rewarding for everything else you've seen. It'll be rewarding for what you've seen later. But like my brother, who usually goes and sees the stuff on like premiere night, he saw it like a week later. And like he I think he liked it. He usually, you know, like I'll 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 be mean for a second. Like he I think he has like um, what's it called? Honeymoon syndrome when it comes to new movies. And then mm. over, like, it takes a long time for him to admit that was kind of shitty. So I'm expecting him any right. day now to say that was shit. But, like, you know, this was the first Marvel film where I was just kind of like, this is really irrelevant. That's kind of like what I thought about the first Ant-Man film. I'm like, this is just really irrelevant. I think this is definitely the one where it's like, it doesn't really tune in much on what happened previously. Yeah, they dropped Thanos. Yeah, they talk about the blip and all that shit. But, like, 
it didn't really do much. And, you know, going forward, I think it's up to the other future films to justify what happens. But, you know, we're already getting massive reshoots on Doctor Strange. We're already having the whole schedule move back almost a full year in terms of the release. I think, and there's an assumption, the this current phase of the MCU is banking on Eternal so much. Now, since it hasn't really delivered what people have wanted now they're going back to the drawing board on a lot of stuff, kind of like what they did for Captain Marvel, which, you know, I defend the Captain Marvel movie. The Captain Marvel movie was actually good. Yeah, I think it's 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 in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle for yeah, me. Yeah, but people, didn't, but people didn't like it because they didn't like Brie Larson mm-hmm. in, in promo, and justifiably so. I, I'm not a Brie Larson fan, but the movie was good. But because of that whole thing where they tried to really paint her as the next, you know, the, the next figurehead of the MCU to replace like Robert Downey Jr. and stuff like that. She's not even really getting her own sequel. Like it's not even called, you know, Captain yeah. Marvel 2. It's the Marvel. She couldn't even secure her own sequel. And she was mostly written out of Endgame because people were just not happy with her. I did think her role in Endgame was quite odd, like that she didn't have a that she was just there as kind of a, a deuce ex machina to come in at the end. Yeah, like she was shoehorned in for 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 I don't even know a big reason because she wasn't even the reason why Thanos lost. No, she was really just nothing. So she Captain, was a, a, Captain Marvel could save the world. It's like it, it, she's never really done that. She was like a minor roadblock <laughs> during the during the big battle, and then that was it. Yeah. So I mean, Marvel has course corrected before. Um, you know, people often remember the uh, the end credit scene for Thor: The Dark World. That was called the first worst post credit scene. And uh, I mean, Marvel. I mean, it, it's what was the post credit scene for that one? I don't it's even. It's not even worth remembering. It was the first. It was the first introduction of the Collector. I didn't know that. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, we got a glimpse of him. I think the other one was when you realized that Loki had taken over the throne yeah. of, of Odin. Yeah. Yeah. But like, um, you know, like for, for 20 plus films, like you're going to have a bad movie. Uh, you know, some people are, are trying to get real clickbaity and they're like, Oh, this is, this the end of the MCU. I mean, I would argue, I would actually <laughs> argue that I would rather watch Eternals again than the Falcon and the winter soldier. Ooh, wow. That's a tough one. I'd have to think about it. We that. got way more memes and shit. We got dancing Zemo. Falcon and Winter Soldier is longer if you had to combine it all together. Yeah. So. Hmm. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, I, I wanted to like it. Like, I was really in it to give it a chance. I just, it just, no, nothing really clicked with me. Like, I never felt a really strong connection to any one character. Uh, oddly enough, like, I felt the strongest connection to Kit Harrington because he was like the quote unquote human. And he's literally, he's literally in two scenes, by the way, if anyone hasn't seen it yet. But he actually felt like, the, maybe because he's actually like maybe the best legit actually actor in the whole freaking thing. Like I thought he was excellent and I'm really looking forward to see what happens with him and black Knight and how he gets worked in. Cause I don't think there's any black Knight series or movie scheduled, but he is meant to obviously have a big role in. in so, so the forward, rumor so. mill and you know, this is the biggest spoiler of all at the end of the film in the second post credit scene after they introduce like Pip the troll and uh Harry, Harry styles is yeah, this is a spoiler forward. ladies and gentlemen, this is a real one coming. So literally skip forward a minute if you don't want to hear. Yeah, it. So Harry styles is arrow star Fox. They, they bring him in and, I think there's actually good casting. I, I kind of like that, but you know, you, you see him first. I know strong feelings. About I was it. just like, that's Harry Styles. Like, okay. Um, the, the last post credit scene, which is probably worth the price of admission itself is when you get the, um, the dark, I don't know if it's called the dark sword or something else, the dark blade or whatever, but it's the black Knights the cur- ebony blade, the ebony, the blade. ebony blade. Yeah. It's, it's yes. the dark Knights curse sword. And as, uh, Harrington, Dane Whitman is opening it up. You hear a voice in the background that says, are you, are you, are, um, are you prepared to wield it? Mr. Whitman. 
And that's Mahershala Ali's first official appearance as Blade. Yeah, I had to look that up. I didn't know. I did not recognize the voice in the theater. It didn't. I, uh, our good friend Caleb France had to text it to me because I was just like, I have no clue who the hell that is. None. Especially because it's not a character I would have thought it to be. Like, I, if anything, I thought I would have thought like Doctor Strange or someone would make sense appearing there, or which, which obviously I knew it wasn't him. So CBR.com, comicbookresources.com is getting lazy because I, I went on and I, I saw a link where they were explaining how it was Blade and everything. And they're like, Blade, who has a long history of the Dark Knight, I'm sorry, the Black Knight in Marvel. And I'm like, no, they don't. Like, I, I've been a Blade fan for a while in the comics. And I even collected um, Captain Marvel, Cap, uh, I'm not Captain Marvel, Captain Britain in the MI7 comics or whatever it was um, in the mid 2000s where it had the Black Knight. Yeah, I collected the Avengers from the 90s where I had the Black Knight, and I've never seen the Black Knight and Blade ever together. So this whole, oh, you know, this makes perfect sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like, it's cool and all, but like, don't, I don't know if they just got it incorrect if they shoehorned it in. But yeah, like, it was weird. Like, this doesn't make sense, but I'm okay with it because I just like Blade and Mahershala Ali. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to make sense, but whatever, I'll take it. I'm looking forward to that Blade, for sure. Yeah, so if they bring the Black Knight and Blade or whatever, like, I'm cool with that. They're both awesome. Totes. So yeah, that's my favorite part of the movie was the <laughs> end, was the end credits, the scene with uh, Kit Harrington almost becoming black Knight, And I guess Mahershala Ali's blade debuting by voice. Yes. That's my highlight of the movie. And I'm not joking. I actually think that's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. So all in all, like go, go see Eternals or don't, I think. And, and I have a bad taste in movies. I get it. I told you guys to go see snake eyes. And then I bought that on Blu-ray, watched it when I was sick a few weeks ago. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, what have I told I was people? I was immediately like, I got to sell this shit. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I still plan to watch it when it's free somewhere. Like, like, you know, it's, it killed an afternoon when I was coughing and there was nothing else on. I mean, I also watched Spectre, which I used to call like my least favorite James Bond movie. And I'm like, Spe- I like Spectre more now and I like Snake Eyes less. So I don't know what that means, what that means about me. Yeah, I like to use my wife as like the normie test now, like to see because she doesn't follow comics or anything, but she enjoys, you know, some of the Marvel stuff when it's good and doesn't enjoy it when it's not. So I like to see how she kind of feels about things. And within the same week, we watched Eternals, which she absolutely did not like at all. And we watched I had already seen it, but she hadn't yet. We watched Shang-Chi on uh, Disney Plus that she did thoroughly enjoy. So. I think the normie test seems to uh, seems to be accurate in this case. It's like when I took my fiance. Like a like a like a three four years ago to go see the Joss Whedon Justice League in theaters. She hadn't like she had seen this is before you knew you didn't know it was she coming. hadn't you seen didn't. Man of Steel. She fell asleep during Batman versus Superman: Dawn <laughs> Justice, and she just watched all of Justice League. And when it was over, she was like, "That was bad." <laughs> like yes, it is. <laughs> like you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, folks, um, Eternals. Uh, I would not pay to see it. Yeah, if you're a psycho like me and Remzo that just can't let the movies be in the theater for more than a couple days, if that at this point I'm pretty much trying to always see them the night of, just because I, I will, I don't have the willpower to not see to like unfollow pages that I know are going to spoil it or like so I know I'm getting spoiled if I don't see something right away, so I just see them right away, and of course I also feel somewhat of, of a of a duty to do so as the co-host of this very podcast. Yeah, we write off that on our taxes. Yes. Yeah. So that that those are my final thoughts. As we get into today's Should we story. rate it? Should we dare oh, we give it a number shit. rating? You want to do it? 
Do we, I mean, do we want to get come this far? Do we want to get that frisky with this? Ah, uh, okay. I think we do. Buddy. Um, are we going for this? Are we going to rate it out of 10 just overall? Yeah, you can do it however you want. I mean, I can, I can kind of loosely in my mind say like five, like, you know, a one out of five for writing and a, maybe a one out of five for like cinematography or something. But, uh, you, know, we don't, you know, let's just be real assholes right now. Let's just rate it one out of five overall. One out of five. I'm giving this film a two, a two out of five. If we're doing one out of five, I would probably agree. Yeah, I would go two. It's not as a one would be absurd because it is like, technically sound and there's some good visual effects and stuff like that. But that's as far as I can go for, for context. I would give like captain America, the winter soldier, a five out of five. And I would give, that's what I, and I would give like Thor, the dark world, a 1.5. So like, this is just a step above Thor, the dark world. Yeah. I would probably give Shang-Chi like a four or 4.5. Yeah. And yeah. So this all seems about right. Yeah. Captain Marvel, I'd probably give it a three. Maybe Black Widow too. Maybe like a three. I mean, just for that Nirvana cover alone at the beginning of Black Widow. That was sweet. That was, that sweet. was sweet. Also the best part of the movie. Yeah. See, I think I actually had honeymoon syndrome, whatever you want to call it, with Black Widow, because we kind of both raved about it a little more. But like looking back now, I'm like, well, and maybe it's just because it, it, I think a lot of it, too. It was the first Marvel movie we had in like a year and For a half. Ever. So that, I think that was a big factor of it. But now... I can definitely say it's better than Eternals. I'd much rather watch Black Widow than Eternals, but it's nowhere near Shang-Chi. Like Shang-Chi was just mile, miles above Black Sh- Widow. Shang-Chi, I could probably say, other than Loki on Disney+, Plus, is one of the better parts of Phase 4. Phase 4 has just been such a mess. My highlights are WandaVision, Loki, and Shang-Chi. Yeah, WandaVision Those was are my triumvirate so far. I, I loved WandaVision. I will, I will apologize for WandaVision all day long, but it's also a lot of it. Half of it is the WandaVision itself, the story and everything. I liked it a lot. The other half is just my love of sitcoms growing up and getting all the references and understanding everything they were doing within that stuff, which some of which you might've gotten, maybe some of which you didn't. But to me that that stuff clicked with me so much that it probably raised it even higher for me than it would based on story alone. Would you, would you say that Eternals was probably overall the lowest point of phase four so far? Easily. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, I think I, I, I thought about it. I think I would rather watch Falcon and winter soldier again. I mean, at least with Falcon and winter soldier, like there were moments I liked yeah. Even though it was, only, I don't think it was it, terrible. It, it just had terrible outcomes. <laughs> yeah. Whereas with Eternals, like there was nothing there for me. Yeah. I didn't even really enjoy the journey of Eternals. You know, I enjoyed yeah. parts of the journey of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, there's just that don't, don't pay to watch this movie. No, if you can avoid it. Uh, but that being said, we can now dive into where this whole movie was birthed from, from the mind of Jack Kirby. We're going to be looking at the original the very first introduction to the Marvel universe of Eternals. Uh, Remzo, do you want to give a little background on, on how we got there on how, you know, how Jack, Jack Kirby ended up doing this series at Marvel? Yeah. So Jack Kirby is truly one of the, uh, and I know he's, you're not going to study him in the arts or humanities class, but really he's one of the greatest artists of at least the 20th century. And, you know, there's a story that Rob Liefeld once told where him and a bunch of the guys from Image, like McFarlane and uh, Eric, uh, I'm sorry, and uh, uh, Eric Larson, they went to Jack Kirby's house in 1992 and they walked in and he had these giant prints on the wall and they, he had these giant canvases of stuff that he had blown up from the comics and he, you know, 
framed. And then there was just stuff that he just never released. And he was having to sell commissioned um, artwork um, in order to basically live. Like he, he was not a rich man. He was work. He was working up until when he died. And there's this one, um, there's this one portrait he did where it was just this giant dude standing like in space. And he had like this giant beard. And according to Rob Liefeld, he said it was just the, it was, he didn't know if it was like all father from, uh, from the new gods or somebody else, but he's looking at this. He's like, who, who is that? Like, I feel like I know him. And Jack Kirby is like, Oh, um, uh, that's God. <laughs> and everyone was just like, has Jack Kirby seen the face of God? And he's, and throughout, like he has all of these artwork from like, you know, the, the tower of Babel, the fall of the walls of Jericho and like all these like biblical paintings. And he's also got stuff from like, you know, Greek mythology and all this other stuff. He was obsessed with ain't with like religion and philosophy mm-hmm. and mythology across the world. So Jack Kirby would be binging ancient aliens. If it were, if you were around today, literally like that is like, he, he was obsessive so at Marvel, what he wanted to do is he wanted to, as the Marvel Universe through Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and the Avengers was becoming way more intertwined, what he wanted to do is he wanted to basically establish the origins for the creation. He wanted to create his own creation story, be God in that sense. So what he lobbied Marvel to do was to give him his own series called The Eternals. Marvel thought that it was far too... Well, one, they thought it was controversial for the time. Uh, you know, laugh at that now. But like, they th- one, they thought it was controversial. Two, th- because of the way that he wanted to do everything, they were actually afraid that it would be too complicated for most fans. They're like, Jack, this is far too... Like, we do science fiction. We write for nerds and geeks and stuff like that. But this stuff is far too much for anybody, regardless of how nice it looks. So what they let him do was they let him do a 19-issue run of the original Eternal... Uh, for the first Eternal series. And at that point, I don't think it ends uh, cleanly because that was when he left and immediately went to DC. And DC was like, hey, that Eternal stuff you did, that shit is good. How about you try and do something similar for us? And that's when we... We get the fourth world and the new gods. That's how we get Dark Side. That's how we get Orion, All Father, uh, Mister Terrific. Uh, I'm sorry, not Mister Terrific. Mister uh, Miracle. All those new gods from the DC universe. Steppenwolf. I mean, he basically took the template for how he did uh, Eternals, and that's how you get it. And I mean, for many people, you look at that and you're just like, oh my gosh, like it is kind of a ripoff of Eternals. But if you I hate to, I hate to, I hate to actually, Remzo, hate to actually, uh, uh, but I, uh, since it was mentioned, we've kind of become the actually guys here. So I think you, I think you reversed it a little bit. It was New Gods at DC that he did first. He did in that. 1971. Was that it? New Gods debuted in 1971. This debuted in 1976. So same story. But you flipped the company. Okay, it was basically he was at he was at DC doing New Gods, and then when he came to Marvel, he's like, "Hey, 
it was basically the same thing you said. He wanted to do this vast mythology thing. So, so DC let him do new gods. And then he, for whatever happened at DC, I'm not really sure, uh, but handed up at Marvel. And then he's like, Hey, I want to keep doing new gods. Oh, but you don't own that. So can I do this other thing where I basically do it again, but, but call it Eternals? And they're like, sure, Jack, well, I stand corrected, but that's... but your story is accurate. If you just flip, if you just flip the companies around. Yeah. So flipping around, that's how we get here. And I mean, actually, yeah. And, uh, I mean, both are, both are very similar, but I mean, he had done some of this stuff prior with Thor. I mean, if you see Thor with the, like, you've got like the ancient Norse side of things, but they're also like technologically advanced stuff like that. You see a lot of that with Eternal. So, I mean, he was, he was definitely, he definitely would have been like an ancient astronaut theory guy and everything else. I'm telling you, Mark, and I'm going to get weird for a second. Listen, guys, please do. I went to Liberty University. I, I, I believe in like younger theory. I am a, I am a very, very, you know, I, I, I take the Bible very literally, but, and there's a strong, but if God is not real and if everything is a lie, <laughs> if everything I believe if every, is wrong, if everything I believe is wrong, then it's probably kind of like the eternal. Yeah. Like if everything <laughs> I believe is wrong, then the only explanation is something like the eternal. So basically I'm talking aliens. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the only, we could go in a lot of different directions on this. <laughs> that's a whole other show. <laughs> I basically believe in agent aliens theory. Only I don't think they were aliens. I think they were just earth had better technology than we ever could fucking comprehend. It had a lot of crazy shit going on that we can't even, even handle right now. So, so. if my life is a lie, <laughs> then this is probably the closest thing to a Theory we can get documentary. Into. So this is the this will be your new Bible if everything you think you believe is disproven. My parents are gonna be You'll like, just flip open some Kirby comic books. <laughs> <laughs> just flip open that Kirby, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. It's it's Jack Kirby's. It's Ancient Aliens by Jack Kirby. That's what Eternal <laughs> is. We could probably just end the review right now <laughs> and move on, but but I guess we'll die. Okay, so check out a few issues. He did actually go. I am looking at. He did actually go back to New Gods in seventy seven. So, you know, that may be where you got that. I, th- I think that may have been it. I'm trying to tell you a bone here. All right. All right. So we are jumping into the Eternals issue one. When gods walk the earth. And I want to just say, like, in all, of all the covers of comic books, I know I usually judge everything by a cover. This is probably, I'm not going to say it's the best cover. Well, I will say it's probably the most unique cover to a series launch that we've ever done because you don't even really see the Eternals. You see a giant statue, a Mayan Aztec Inca, whatever statue. And then you see like, you know, this, this giant, like Adamus like figure. And then you see like a, a surly little archeologist and his hot daughter, because every archeologist we learn from moon Knight has a hot daughter and they're just yes. like, you know, we found it, the tomb of the space gods and the, you know, like Fabio dude is like, and they're not dead. Look to the stars. The gods are coming back. This, this doesn't look like a superhero comic, but the only way you will know is because in the top left corner, like what Marvel did for three decades is you see that dude wearing a funky <laughs> costume. So you're just like, if it wasn't for that absurd costume in the corner that we'll see eventually in the series. This could have been anything. This could have been the cover to like a religious text, for example, <laughs> as it might one day, we don't know as it may one day be. But let, what if this is what happens? What if like, <laughs> what if the Bible was just the comic books of its time? And, and now we believe it. And then maybe in like 30,000 years, someone uncovers the Eternals. We're like, Oh, this is how, this is how it went down. Mark, wow, I do not is- want the Westboro Baptist church attacking the show. I can't emotionally <laughs> handle that right now. 
It's just a what if. It's just a, a what if. What if we're just in another multiverse? Somewhere in the cosmos, you and I are hosting the first print comics podcast. What if there's space gods out there reading comics about us right now? That's the question. Man, let Jack, let Jack Kirby be God at minimum. I feel like we're doing anything we can do to avoid actually getting into the story. Okay. <laughs> do you feel that way? Yes. This episode? Yes. It's, it, it's, it's, got, it's a bit of a chore. So please bear with me in my C minus GPA education. Okay. <laughs> So the first issue starts off with like a giant monologue from the narrator is man alone in the universe. Please cue like X-Files music. Every myth and legend to emerge from the distant past points to a strange visitation from the stars. Beings of great power have been on this earth and they departed. Who were they or what did they do here? Where did have they gone? These awesome questions create the background for this exciting new saga of a day which lies ahead. The day answers. The day of the gods. That's the first page. <laughs> it's already mo- more words than most books we read. Yeah. So most, most entire books we read on the show. So you, you see, you see, um, who's he think he is? Alan Moore over here. He's, he's trying to be a Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> I don't see no body swap creature in this book, do I? This is this is Jack. We're not doing this that is again. Jack Kirby channeling his Jonathan Hickman, <laughs> <laughs> because you have to have giant exposition to to have this happen. And uh, may, oh, you know, maybe this would tie into something else because who is writing this? Jack Kirby, who conceived. Uh, they they put this at the bottom. Conceived, written, and drawn by Jack Kirby, and it's like, oh, I you all already know how I feel about writers and artists doing their own thing. But um, you basically, you're you're bit, you're down in this deep cavern, and you see this giant like it, we don't know if it's a statue or something. But then you see our three main characters, and the one archaeologist guy is like, "You found it, Ike. You've po- it's you're positively uncanny," as people spoke in the seventies. And uh, basically, what you have is you've got this um, Doctor Damien. He's the um, he's the archaeologist. You've got some cameraman guy, and then you've got Ike Harris, which is a poorly conceived name. And what basically they've done is they're in this Incan temple in Mexico. And what they see is basically, for all my ancient alien fans, you have the star child. You have a man in a spaceship and then a bunch of other astronaut statues carrying it. So they're laying it on pretty thick. And the exposition goes beneath the high plains of the Andes. Oh, the Andes are in Peru. Are the Incas Peru? I failed that class. Anyway, this secret place. Andes are partially, yeah, this is, it's the Peru area. Andes go through a few different countries. It could be Argentina or Peru. Okay, far away where they don't speak English. So the secret (laughs) place, like its builders, has been lost to history, but now it lies exposed once more, dwarfing its discoveries with Cyclopean grandeur. Like, that's, that's a lot. The Andes are where the where in the movie Alive. You ever seen the movie Alive? That's no. where they crash and eat each other's butts. You never seen the movie Alive? Now, well, spoiler, now I want to see They crash and eat each other's butts. <laughs> okay, so basically, this Ike Harris guy is a student or a guide or something, and uh, Professor Damien and his daughter and the one camera guy are going around, and basically all the all the ancient like statues and stuff are basically like. If you look at them, they're literally like aliens holding guns and spacesuits and using technology. And basically, um, you've got... He had to have just read Chariots of the Gods when he conceived of this stuff. A- absolutely. I think that came out in the 50s. So it must have 68. been... 68. 68. Oh, I'm damn. live fact-checking here. That must have been crazy. 
So basically, so this, so yeah, Chariots of the Gods came out in '68. New Gods came out in '71. So do the math. Clearly, clearly influenced, and this came out right after it, doing the same thing. Yeah. So basically, the professor and his hot daughter are looking around Margo, and uh, he's like, "Quickly, Margo, I must have the tape recorder. What I will say will electrify the scientific community." And the, and the daughter's <laughs> like, "Thank you, thanks to Ike Harris, we've made the greatest archaeological <laughs> discovery in all of history." And I tell me you're going to do these voices the whole time. I have to Please. because I, it's the now. only way that will make this a lot more bearable. And then Ike Harris is like, "Perhaps the true story." Story of all which has us which has gone before <laughs> talk like normal fucking people please and the professor is like it takes a uh that uh that takes in a lot of territory ike and ike harris is like i refer not only to human history but also to divergent human history there were others and the professor is like your statement covers all of human history are you serious about this claim you just made do you realize what you're saying, young man? You're, you're, you're basically saying that the human species is sharing the world with related forms of life. And he's like, that's exactly what I'm saying, doctor. Homo sapien has relatives. That's a wild theory, Ike. You can't believe in such fantasy. Ike Harris, you have been a disturbing enigma to us ever since you joined our effort to seek out this chamber. You're wrong on both counts, Doctor. This is not <laughs> drivel. Your, your, your version of the professor sounds like, um, <laughs> God, the guy from South Park, uh, Terrence and Phillips. Yes. <laughs> I, I see him as Canadian. Um, well, now, Ike Harris. <laughs> um, uh, this is not drivel, and I'm not a young man by all standards. Um, but you've never struck us as being the type of young man who, who is given to this kind of drivel. Oh, and then he says, I'm not young. And, uh, basically they, you know, they're, they're starting to realize that this tour guide that they probably hired is probably, you know, kind, kind of out there. Uh, then we go on to, um, uh, uh, I cares is basically like, he, he kind of knows where he's at. So he's just like telling them like, follow me. We're going to keep finding stuff. And they keep finding random shit. Uh, meanwhile, as Ike Harris speaks, a strange incident is taking place over the Pacific waters that brush the South American shores and basically have this, this pilot he's flying and it gets all Bermuda triangle like and shit and weird lights come out. And the, the guy has to eject out of his plane because he's afraid of crashing because you know, he can't see. So basically it's like Colonel David Schraver of the U S Navy in 2015 when him and his, him and his, uh, <laughs> him and his squadron basically went out to the Atlantic ocean. I'm sorry, the Pacific ocean. And they saw the Tic Tac Google Tic Tac UFO Navy sighting. And basically um, all these F 16 pilots got blinded and they basically saw this this UFO go all over the place and go in and out of the water, and they lost, and they like the Navy thought they lost their minds. But all the footage showed that they actually found a UFO, and then the U.S. government basically said, "Yeah, that's an alien technology right there," and we all just pretended it didn't happen. Hmm. So, long story short, this guy ejects from his plane. Meanwhile, <laughs> what we see is that this giant uh, spaceship thing has come up from the water. And what we see are these aliens. Now, these aliens are divergence. And these divergence are basically, they're, they're like Eternals, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But basically, they, they're these ugly alien creatures that hate humans, and they want to rule the Earth. And basically, something is happening, and it's woken them up from their ancient slumber, and now they're here to take over the world. And they are ugly, these deviants. They are ugly mofos. Disney couldn't make them seem nice. Oh, well, obviously we know Disney didn't make them seem nice. They were super ugly and stupid in the movie. Disney didn't bother doing anything with these guys. They were almost, 
man, back to the movie, but they were almost like they were introduced as this plot point and like, Oh my God, the, they're back or whatever. And they're the big thing. And then they do some stuff, but we never really find out why they're back. And then nothing really happens to them at the end. They're just kind of like, all right, I guess the deviants are still around. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, uh, what they end up doing is they end up having like the super submarine that goes beneath this giant underwater temple they're in. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to find the God chamber. So they get to the God chamber, which is on this other level under the water of this giant temple. And as they get there, um, you know, they, they can't tell where they're at because they see all these mirrors that like look out to space and stuff like that. And they're like, those aren't like paintings and stuff. Like what, what's going on here? And the professor is like, Margo, look, Icarus, amazing instincts have uncovered the sort of telescopic gadgetry. <laughs> the Incas don't concern me now, dad. It's like Icarus, he frightens me, but the Incas weren't advanced enough to have this type of complex anything he's just completely ignoring his daughter and um she's like he's he's neither a kook nor a prankster i think he knows things we can even guess i mean we can't even guess that ike is not an ordinary man and ike who's not an ordinary man walks out to this giant um space panel that basically is is a it's basically a le- like a it's basically like a window to the universe, I guess. Yeah, and because he's normal, he puts his arms out like Jesus, and he's like, <laughs> "Behold, the universe, the vast home of the gods," like a normal person would say. And um, at, at this point, now he's just freaking people out, and he's like, "They roam there, they live in this great reflector which the gods left. They have departed the voted Inca people." Uh, they they kept watch for the next arrival, but the gods never returned, and the Incas vanished from history. And Doctor Damien is just done of this shit. He's like, "Keep going, Ike. Tell us more." But first, tell us who <laughs> like you. He's just like, I like how he's not questioning like how this guy knows any of this. He's just like, yeah, tell me more. Tell me the whole thing, professors. You know, and also, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. And Marco's like, yeah, you're not one of us. So now this is where Icarus reveals his uh his his origin. <laughs> Basically, these these gods, these celestials created the Eternals to go and basically be like their own like protector and exploration force after they created these monster motherfuckers named the divide the divergence. I'm sorry, the deviance, which is what we saw deviance. earlier. Um and, and basically Icarus's name isn't really Icarus. It is dun dun da Icarus. He has to really spell it out for them too. He's like, however, if you run both words together, you get Icarus. <laughs> Thanks, Ike. <laughs> we figured that so out. So he basically goes through human history and what what he does is he basically says that these gods came and they took an ape and basically modified the ape into man. And they don't necessarily explain why, but what we think is that they did this is kind of like to create a slave force. So what they did was the deviants were basically like the bad experiments gone wrong and the deviants became evil because that's what ugly things do. They become evil. And then the Eternals were more like a reflection of the gods and everything, and they were uh, meant to basically be these immortal superpower, superpowered figures to basically watch over man. And then it goes on to a longer explanation that shows basically it's kind of like it's kind of like gr- the freaking history of the earth. Here. Yeah, ba- basically you see everything from the dawn of man. It's ancient aliens. Like it's it's it's, it's literally ancient aliens. And, and it goes on for several pages, and he just explains this, and the, the professor's just like, "Oh, my Karis," and <laughs> yeah. So so now what you have is they're just far too accepting of this whole thing from, from the very beginning. They're just taking everything he says at face value and 
how did he get there in the first place? He just got a job as he was like the cameraman. Listen, right? man, just, just buy the ticket, take the ride. <laughs> I think they're just happy he's not a serial killer. Yeah, that's true. Fair so now what happens? He's like, "Wait, you're not trying to molest my daughter? Tell me more, Mr. Harris." It's, it's like it's like Moon Knight. It's like that, you know. He's like, "Yeah, he's responsible for my father's death, and he's dead right now." But man, he looks dreamy. It's kind of like Margo. Oh, you know, he might be a crazy person, but look at those long blonde hair and those muscles, and he's talking about the gods and stuff. Look at those pecs. Plant your space seed in me, Ike Harris. Um, so basically. <laughs> Uh, the deviants, because of timing and stuff like that, they end up getting (laughs) to the temple. And now what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and try and make way for the coming of the gods. But they realize they see something. And the one deviant with like this cool, like shades and stuff, he's like, Oh no, that's crow. That's, that's the only one that got a name in the movie too, but they all look the same. Was that him in the movie? Yeah, they, yeah, this is Crow, and they call it that is the main one in the movie. I That's never, like the one I that, never yeah. knew his name. Yeah, they name him in the movie, but it's not. I mean, I could see why you would not, why you would not register it because they were not made out to be. Important. I knew it was something Skarsgård, the Chris Hemsworth. I'm sorry, the Liam Hemsworth of the brothers Skarsgård. Yeah, it is that Skarsgård. Yeah, that one. Not it's, it's a Skarsgård. Yeah, it's a Skarsgård. They're they're like really popular brothers, but we never actually like identify them until after the facts. Uh, <laughs> it's just a Skarsgård. It's a Skarsgård. The brother Skarsgård. Um, <laughs> anyway, Crow. I guess he has a name now. Um, he's like, oh no, um, there's still time. We can waste his efforts. We can destroy the cosmic beacon, the thing that's calling the gods here. And he's like, I see the foe. It's Icarus of the Polar Mountains. And uh, at this point, I care. I'm sorry. Icarus is just doing some weird shit. He's basically getting ready for the gods to come up. So he's using all this like Incan technology. And um, the professor is still just a giant buffoon. He's like the father from Tarzan. He's like, that's so that's the cosmic beacon you made. It's discovery looks so easy. And Icarus is like, think of a trading program, which lasts a thousand years, doctor. That's what it took. It's so weird because when this came out, were computers even a thing? I mean, not that not that regular people had at their house, no. Like, I think, like, the government had computers. What did Jack Kirby know? <laughs> yeah, apparently a lot. Yeah, so anyway, the, the deviants come up like... Maybe Jack Kirby is an eternal. If you put the names together, it's Jacoby. <laughs> I need to stop thinking about this. Okay, so basically <laughs> the deviants roll up like freaking gangsters, and they just start blasting. And they're just like, kill the humans, pound Icarus to the high voltage. We can't keep, we can't harm him, but we can keep him busy. Then destroy the beacon because of over explanation. I, I love this fucking professor, whatever <laughs> dude with his shitty little gun <laughs> against all these guys. While Icarus is just shooting laser beams out of his yeah, eyes. Yeah. So basically Icarus starts shooting laser beams out of his eyes and uh, the deviants aren't having an easy time. And why? Because he's Superman. Yeah. Moving and uh, now the beacon has basically been activated and everyone is just kind of freaking out. So like the deep crow is just like too late. I fought in vain. The gods have found us. And now at this point, Icarus is like the gods are, are coming. So basically they, they kind of stop fighting because at this point, the deviants <laughs> are weird. just like, I, I, I guess it, I, I know we tried to kill you, but there's just no point now. So like, we're just going to yeah, just like hanging out together. Like, like, yeah, like just waiting for the gods now, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh, fighting time's over. Gods are coming. Uh, Sorry about that. So that's the end of the first issue. <laughs> Man, listen, I love I love Jack Kirby, but this is this is weird. <laughs> it's definitely weird. Um, I, I actually had I had not read much Eternals, but I had read like Neil Gaiman did a did an Eternals run in like uh, the mid 2000s that 
was okay. It's nothing like this. Um, this is just like, this is Jack Kirby recreating like existence. Yeah. It's, it's Jack Kirby's history of the earth comic book style. And it's freaking wild. And I, I think there's like, I don't know. I feel like with Jack Kirby, I'm just supposed to like it. You know what I mean? So there's like that, like internal bias. Like, of course it's fucking Jack Kirby. Even that, I mean, the art's pretty good. The art, oh, is, the art is some it's of not, the not, best stuff he's done. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, Jack Kirby's not known for his writing for a reason. Well, I mean, it's like, and I mean, this will be a criticism I bring up later, but like, you're not supposed to write and draw your own comic book. I'm sorry. You can write, unless you're Eric Larson, unless you're Eric Larson. Okay. you can write your own comic. You can draw your own comic, but you cannot do both. There's a reason why things end up so all over the place with it. Why you have really good examples and really bad examples of people who are typically really fucking good. Who then when they do this, something is just off. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So now we're on to episode two. More. Ha ha. <laughs> Motherfucker, you infected me. Ha <laughs> ha. It's contagious. Episodes issues. Now we're on to issue two. It only took you 70 episodes to come up with the same problem I've had. The coming of the celestial. Or 68, whatever this is. Yeah. You're trying to fuck me up even further. Okay. <laughs> so we're on to the second one. Now we're, um, we're above on the land. We basically see like all those, like, you know, the, the symbols that are like carved into the land and stuff like that. Like you see a bird and you see some it's like other the Nazca, stuff. the Nazca lines. You ever seen those? I've seen, I've seen those on discovery channel. You know what we have here in Wisconsin? Yeah, that's, what I mean. that's what I mean by seeing them. Have you ever been to a, to a native American mound? No, not in person, but I have read quite extensively about them being a fan of the work of Graham Hancock. So I have been, I have been to man mound, which is the last man mound in existence because there were several others, but they got destroyed. So this is the last man mound. It's in a dude's backyard and they're like, Oh, it's a shaman. And I'm like, no dumbass, It's an alien. Long story short, Google Wisconsin man mound. That shit was an alien. So anyway, <laughs> you see the gods coming down, right? I'm going to Google it. Right and now. Uh, you got this giant spaceship. And at this point, um, I, I gotta go back and read it because this, his narration is just, it, it just takes forever. It happens yeah. on a broad plateau high in the Andes mountains where the ancient mockings lay down by the vanished race still beckon to the stars. The answers come with the mighty crack of cosmic thunder. A giant shadow has leaped the galaxies and appeared in the skies above earth. Great flashes probe the plane and its silent ruins. The spacecraft of the indestructible dimensions descends. The gods have returned. And basically now, everyone from the previous issue just picks right back up. They're all kind of like, you know, freaking out. And uh, at this point, Crow is just like, the gods seem mighty indeed, but I am Crow. I command the deviants, scorned and misshapen, but powerful in ways may surprise even the gods. And then the professor, who's just apparently just pretty like cool with all this. He's just like, I, I can't speak for all humans, but I can assure you that my daughter and I came here without the slightest notion of running into this. And Icarus is like my species, the Eternals have been preparing for this for a thousand years. And, um, at this point, you know, Crow is just like, so have the deviants and, and they just get into like this little fight. And like Crow is just still kind of mad because he lost and the gods are here. So he starts like running and screaming towards it, talking about how awesome he is. And then the gods, I don't know <laughs> if they like control rocks or they're shooting lasers, but they're just like enough of this shit. So they start throwing stuff at him and he starts running away. <laughs> 
And at this point, the gods are like destroying the temple. So they, they have to get the fuck out. So basically, everyone is like running and fleeing, trying to survive while the whole temple is falling down. And, and I just got to say, like, while, while I might be kind of making fun of the story, this is Jack Kirby at his peak. Oh, for sure. Like, I, yeah, I this is- like this is him with some of his best work ever. You could tell he is pouring his heart and soul into this. Because he was, yeah, there, there's no doubt this is like a passion project for him, and he was given the complete reign to do quite literally whatever he wanted, and whatever he wanted, he is doing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the way, I looked it up. That yeah, that's that's no man. The man. That's man. a freaking alien. That ain't no man. That ain't no. It looks more like a Mothman, maybe like an ancient Mothman type thing. Mothman was an alien. Well, it all depends on your perspective. I think they're all. But you agree? You agree with me? That thing is not a human. No, yeah, yeah, we're 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 on board there. Whatever it may be, human, it's not. And do those tra- those those white parts of its legs go over the the it's road? It's painted like, because they-, they they built the road over it because they're those they're fuckers. stupid. God damn! This is why <laughs> aliens don't want us because we see amazing things <laughs> and we fuck it up. <laughs> they make these crazy like mounds of the effigies of them, and then we just make a road over the legs. <laughs> like fucker! Here, just put some paint <laughs> over there. It's the same thing. No one will notice. At least do it in the same color. Like, it looks so bad. Yeah. So basically, the whole thing is falling apart, and uh, Icarus is laughing at the the deviants as they're running away. (laughs) And at this point, um, Crow mentions that this is going to be Icarus's tomb, just like uh, 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 Tamakatin. Incan. Teko Mutzen. Teko Mutzen. Teko Mutzen. Basically, King. Yeah. Basically, king of the Incas or whatever, some shit. Uh, so basically, uh, now we're seeing more of human history explained by Icarus as the as the rumbles kind of stopped and the deviants are in a way and the gods aren't stepping out of their ship for whatever reason. And basically, um, what we're seeing is that the deviants have at different points in time actually enslaved humanity. And th- this is where things get really trippy. And I can see where Marvel is just kind of like, Jack, what are you doing? Um, because basically... <laughs> What what they ba- what what Icarus is basically explaining is that because the deviants took over Earth, the gods decided to flood the Earth. So some guy got two of every animal and put them on an ark. And at one point, Icarus, who was able to levitate, appeared like a dove from the distance, showing the ark where land is. And at this point. Um, <laughs> it's, the prof- it's the Bible through, through the lens of Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah, so the, so the professor is like and the, these poor deviants are just drowning. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Uh, so the so the professor is like, you lived through the time of the flood. You saw the ark, and Marga's like, it's incredible because she's given him fuck me eyes. So uh, oh, also they set off a, a nuke. <laughs> Final oh yeah, that too. Too in the one. Yeah, but but Margot, much like many female characters in the '60s, is a woman, so she can't handle much. So she has like a mental breakdown. No. She's, so yeah. she's like, "Eternal Stevie, it's gods that fly in spaceships. It's just too, <laughs> too much, much for me, Dad. Too much." And the professor's like, "There, there, my dear. There has to be a trying experience." And Icarus is just like, "Calm yo shit." No, he doesn't say that. He's like, "It cannot <laughs> change. You must accept this calmly." So he walks over. <laughs> Some of the writing is just 
it's cheesy, but it's also so fucking funny. And I don't even think it's meant to be funny, but it is now in 2021. It cannot change. You must accept this calmly. Shut the fuck up, bitch, is what he said yeah. in, in, in 1971 talk. So basically what he does is he walks over to this other wall. And what it basically does is it cr- is it lowers down and it creates this portal. And then what you see is that... Um, the Incan God they were talking about earlier is not actually an Incan God. It's actually Ajak. The goofiest motherfucker you've ever seen in this your is, life. This is the it. weirdest costume Jack Kirby has ever created for Ajak. You know who it's not? It's not Salma Hayek. No. <laughs> That's for sure. No. Salma Hayek was an upgrade, but they decided to cover her up. And it's like, no, I want to I, I want to see why you got famous, Selma. <laughs> I, I kind of wish they just went all the way and just gave me this guy. Like, <laughs> you know, like, because this is such a, so ridiculous. Like he's got these like aviator sunglasses inside this costume of like metal. And I mean, you just, it, they take elements of actual, actual, you know, um, like ancient gods, like, uh, Quetzal, Quetzalcoatl is the big Aztec God. I think the Incas version was this, who they're calling him now, this tech Tecu But, Man, the translation of turning this into like this weird looking sunglass wearing superhero is just <laughs> like every time I look at this, I crack up. Ajak is absurd. Ajak is ridiculous. Yeah, so basically, Ajak uh, was frozen in time, uh, waiting for. And why didn't they ever like? Okay, like these other gods, like like Makari, we'll see later, is like Mercury or like Icarus. You know, it's Icarus. Like you know, it's they're they're using like real gods' names and then like making a weird translation of them. Ajak. The fuck did they get Ajak from? <laughs> it's like he went to the. He's based on Quetzalcoatl and Tecumotzin, none of which comes near Ajak. I think he was he was just getting to the point where he's like, oh, I got to come up with another name for this guy. Honey, grab something from the closet. Ajak? I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. Uh, a, a a Jack, maybe it's like a Jack Kirby. A, a Jack? That's way more know. conspiratorial than everything here. else we've said. So basically him and a bunch of the other new gods are freed from here. And what they're going to do is they're going to get ready for new gods. So even you can't tell the difference. So basically, (laughs) basically the other Eternals are freed from here. They they basically are new gods. I mean, this is, this is the same story. This is the same book. (laughs) So they run over to another room, which is another spaceship and, and and they're getting, and they're getting ready to freaking leave. Uh, meanwhile, and apparently they've been in there for like thousands of years, by the way, like they don't seem at all. Like <laughs> they're not dusty. They're not like, Oh, thank God. They're just right to work. It's kind of, impressive. I leave my just laptop right alone for a few hours and the battery goes to zero. <laughs> 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 uh, I had to go grab my iPhone charger just for this episode. But, uh, anyway, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get ready, uh, for the gods to descend from their ship. So Ajak is like, prepare the rays, the ceremonial pylons beneath the celestial spaceship. Even now the first of the gods descends. And what you see is this giant stone alien thing basically fall from the sky. And it looks, it's like something between like the Easter Island heads and Galactus and a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) And it's, it's like a dope transformer, but it's Arisham leader of the fourth host. I'm sorry, not fourth world, fourth host lands. I, mean, I never understood this. The what, what is the fourth host? I've, I've, I've been trying to figure this out this entire time. Okay. You want, you want, you want to get some the, theology on you? Yeah. So, please. so I'm putting down the book. So, right? so, so in Christianity, you've got God who is three in mm-hmm. one father, son, and yep. Holy ghost. 
You've got yeah, others yeah. that basically imply a third vestige. Hmm. I'm sorry, a fourth vestige. Now that okay. actually goes to other things like the fourth forms or the fourth Turing or whatever. It's like this big, right. it, it, it's basically another form on top of things. So Christianity says three others say a fourth host, depending on whether it's, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, polytheism or monotheism. So basically it's implying a, another phase in which the gods are connecting with humanity. Okay. I actually, I can buy that one. So we got Arisha as much as I could buy anything. It's, it's all over the place. Arisha might be the most accurate betrayal from comics to listen, Mark aliens, big red robot alien guy. So Arisham, leader of the fourth host, lands firmly upon the pylon, where he will stand upon it for 50 earth years, towering the surrounding mountains. Above all life below, <laughs> in the last day of the 50th year, he will step from the pylon, and on that day, earth will live or die. Hey, by the way, Remzo. Yes. What year was this published? 71. What year is it now? Arisham's about to bust three, man. It's been 50 years. Dude. <laughs> Dude, we are. That's why we're. That's why the it universe has brought it, us to do this episode now. It, isn't it so weird that the, the Eternals movie would come out 50 years from the, from this? It is. I wonder if that was. We're Dude, probably Jack Kirby knew some shit. <laughs> Jack Kirby. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. If a giant red robot bursts out of the Andes by the end of the year, then we'll definitely know well, Jack Kirby. Remember, remember those like giant. Like uh, monoliths that were popping up in the desert, like from uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the fourth host. That's what the Eternals really look like. That's what the Celestials really look like. Like, oh, this is very disappointing. Did freaking Jack Kirby know? (laughs) Okay, so now we're on to issue three, the devil in New York. Um and he, he starts out again because I, I do like these narrations, which I make fun of them. In this magazine, the hidden chapters of history of man are quickly being revealed, untouched for thousands of years. A large crypt in the Inca ruin has, to say, has discharged a living flight crew, for a spaceship has, arrived, has appeared. And this is their century of service to the devil in New York. And uh, basically, now, they, now they've allowed Erisham to come. And basically, now what's going to happen is Ershim is going to judge Earth. And basically, this is what happens. Ershim basically determines whether or not one of the creations, you know, the humans on Earth, is worthy of continuing to live or dying. And, you know, the humans obviously hear this and they're like, oh, he's going to judge humanity based on whether it's worth living? We're fucked. So now they're, they're just freaking out and they're just like, this is way, way out of control. And uh, what ends up happening is um, they end up leaving. Uh, they they rush out because a whole bunch of, uh, I don't know if those are soldiers or flying. Yeah, they're, they're like other flying robot guards that are defending Arisham. So basically they have this play that. Like mini celestials, I guess. They, but they're all together are the fourth host, I guess. Yeah. So basically what ends up happening is uh, they, they have to leave because humans can't be there so they, they end up flying away meanwhile the deviants are kind of pissed at crow because he kind of screwed up and didn't stop the beacon which caused Ersham to finally arrive so they've got him like you know tied up and they're punishing him because he's a dumbass so at this point he's basically like listen I, I could still i could still do this i can still go ahead and uh you know stop them at least at least kill a new god or something so they're like fine go actually do it bitch go actually show that you're worth being a real deviant mofo we want real g's here we don't want you so they fly back to New York, and all of a sudden, and, and this is stupid. 
I, well, I, I can't, I can't gloss over the way that Icarus takes her out. Like she's like, like, first of all, the, the, the professor guy is like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to research shit for the next 50 fucking years and probably die in a week. Cause I have no food, but whatever. And she, she's like, no, I can't leave my dad. And, and Icarus is like, yeah, whatever. You don't have any choice. <laughs> he just takes her and he just fucking flies the fuck out of there with her. It's, I mean, it's, it's very seventies. Oh, and then, oh yeah. And then when she's struggling and, and resisting, he zaps her with his eye beams to knock her unconscious so he can take her away. Icarus heroes, heroes. Everybody. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> the story is kind of problematic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's one way. To um, so basically they're, they're in the, they're in this airplane and at one point Icarus just like stops, uh, flying the plane and Marco's like, Icarus, you took your hands off the controls. You'll set this into a spin. And Icarus is like, this plane is now flying in my response to my very thought. And then all of a sudden he like in in a panel, uh, his clothes just turn into his actual like costume. And now he's basically saying, I'll be able to fly this thing with my mind or some shit like that. So then he opens the door and uh, jumps out and he starts flying beside it. And it's actually like pretty cool. But if you really think about it, it's like really horrifying because then like in the next page, the deviants come over and like a giant space Cadillac and start like blasting shit. So this is the first real action we've seen in a while. Um, then what ends up happening is uh, Icarus gets inside the plane to try and fly them away, which I don't know why he didn't just grab Margo out of the plane and use the plane to crash into them because he's obviously not that smart. And um, what they end up basically doing is they, uh, they, they, they basically fly to New York, and now what they're doing is they're going to go find one of his friends, Circe. So this is our first appearance of Circe. Um, uh, he basically goes into like this New York apartment, and he walks in, and you see Circe dancing, all like scantily clad and shit, in an outfit that Selma Hayek totally should have worn or something. Like, come on, people. And uh, she's just like, how do you like it, Icarus? This uh, has my dance form improved since we last met. And he's just <laughs> like, you are, sh- um, you, are as, you are as you have always been, Circe. Beautiful, charming, inspiring to watch. To say more would exhaust the adjectives in a thousand languages. And she's like, flatter. You're, uh, you're afraid that I'll turn you into a pig. But I'm too fond of you to do that. So Margot, looking obviously in jealousy, like she wants to cut a bitch now. So she's so jealous. I, I will say Jack Kirby does a really good job of like the facial expressions because for several panels, like I can actually see Margot's face as being just looking at, like any girl would look at Cersei. <laughs> if you just if you just met this hot guy and he shows up like, oh, let's go to my friend's house. And it's this, you know, smoking, dancing <laughs> witch lady. Yeah, she could turn me into a pig. Um, sure. But anyway, so basically he's telling her the gods have arrived and the deviants are causing problems. I've got my friend here and she doesn't have powers because she's a human. And uh, we need a team up because they're about to cause some shit around New York. So as that happens, what ends up happening, shit starts happening in New York and the deviants just start like blowing shit up and setting stuff on fire. And Crow pretends to be Satan. Yeah, it's pretty legit. And uh, that's where the issue ends. Icarus jumps out and he's about to fight him. Shit's getting wild here, folks. Shit's getting wild. We did get the the debut of Icarus's actual costume. I guess the debut is technically in the corner of the cover of the first episode. But boy, boy, is it absurd. (laughs) I don't know who looks more ridiculous in their outfit, Ajax or or um, at least Cersei looks like kind of normal. Like she's just wearing like a, a leotard. But but Icarus and Ajax. It's actually a pretty standard superhero costume for a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much the standard superhero costume. Um, cape optional, but yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I just, oh, it's hey, Jack Kirby is creative. I will say that 
He is creative. Yeah. So now we're on to issue four, Night of the Demons. And this is where they actually start fighting. So Icarus is actually feeling pretty bad for them. He's like, oh, those poor humans below, they shout in superstitious fear because they think the devil is there. And um, at this point, you see the the deviants, they're just like lobbing shit, really causing some property damage in Manhattan. I mean, the Lower East Side is, I mean, it's just never going to recover. There's no such thing as deviant insurance. And they already have such a housing problem in New York. Uh, So anyway, uh, Ajax, I'm sorry, uh, (coughs) Icarus starts flying around, zapping shit. I mean, he's really, he really does look like Superman here. And at this point, somebody accidentally shoots him in the eye and he's just like, I'm done with that. So what he does is he starts like taking buildings and he's going to like start flipping it. But then he gets knocked out uh, because when they shot him in the face, they actually put like this thing, this inhibitor on him, which is going to go ahead and, uh, you know, like keep him down for a minute. So Crow is just like, ah, uh, he shall not spoil the night for us. We must scourge the city of the humans. We must rouse their fears and whip them into fury. Uh, meanwhile, this giant, like, dragon deviant, like, picks him up, and he's like, where shall I take him, Crow? And he's like, our raiding vessel waits off the shore. The officer in charge will know how to dispose of him. Meanwhile, we shall give these humans a gift of the same terror which their ancestors received from our kind. Because of the ancient wars, the devil myth are among the, the humans to become the fearsome superstitious uh, uh, superstitions which plague them to this day. Now we shall justify those legends and give these humans a real taste of reality. And he really looks more like the devil now than he did the last couple issues. So, I mean, they're just going around causing shit. Meanwhile, Circe and... Uh, Margot are just watching this on TV and Margot's just like, things have been so worse. Things have on eternal. Vision. Yeah. Things have been worsening and Icarus is somewhere out there in that mess. I hope he isn't. And Circe's just like, bitch, calm down. And now she says, I sense that Icarus has been taken Margot, but never fear. He's an eternal. They can't kill him. And Margo, they can just torture him relentlessly. Yeah, Margo's just freaking out. She's like, Eternal Stevie, it's you to dream that your race has existed for centuries. You've, you, your, your two species have kept to their own domains, and now you've revealed yourself, and the world seems to have gone mad. And seriously, also, my dad is stuck in a bubble with some space gods for the next 50 years. Yeah, there's, there's that too. And she's just like, and seriously, she's just like, Well, it was bound to happen. The space gods have to come back, and a new chapter shall be written uh, in Earth's history. So basically, Cersei's just kind of like tired of this shit. And then she starts going through her history and basically, um, you know, she, she's been everywhere. Um, you know, she's been in Greek. King Arthur's court. Yeah, King Arthur's court. Um, uh, ancient, uh, ancient Greece and everything. So she is basically the Cersei that inspired Cersei and like, you know, Homer and the Odyssey and stuff like that. My favorite story of all time. If there's one story that... I had to bring to like a new planet or something. It would have to be Homer in the Odyssey. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and then it's, and she also says that he she basically taught Merlin all his tricks. He said he wasn't even that good before she showed him some things. <laughs> so so basically, uh, uh, the dragon deviant creature, the deviant mutate, uh, ends up flying up to the apartment outside the window. So next, you know, Circe uses her own eye lasers to shoot him the fuck out. Meanwhile, the deviants have come they, in. They, it looks like they all have eye lasers. In this I would moment. like eye lasers. I think everyone needs more eyes la- eye lasers. Why not? So basically what she what ends up happening is the deviants bust into the apartment, start like causing so much freaking property damage. And she's just like, I'm tired of the shit. So she turns them into lizards. Uh, and Margot's just like, uh, so seriously, it's simply horrible. Will they always be this way? And she's just like, as long as I wish, you know, besides, I, I somehow think I've improved their image. And, um, 
you know, at this point, uh, they're, uh, they've got, um, they've got Icarus in, uh, in the ship and they've put him in like this coffin like thing. And what they do is then they like throw it into the they're ocean. Yeah. Alive. So basically they can't kill him. So they're going to keep him asleep and underwater. Meanwhile, uh, back at the temple at the Inca and ruins, uh, the professor is still being kind of useless while Ajax is kind of figuring out like what's going on. So at this point, um, you know, the, the professor's trying to figure out like what's really happening on the outside. So he starts getting mad at Ajax. He's like, it's like this race of deviants. It's them. They've surfaced from their hidden cities. That's it. Isn't it? Tell me Ajax. At this point, you know, he realizes that the deviants are actually causing problems and Ajax just doesn't care. It hasn't told him. So at this point, uh, Ajax is like, if you must know, they're attacking <laughs> New York city at this very moment. And you know, the professor's just like feeling like shit. Uh, meanwhile, um, one of the celestials, is uh you know looking down and kind of observing everything and the professor is just kind of worried even more so uh especially (laughs) yeah especially since uh more of those uh giant golden robot guards seem to be building something for for ajax so i'm sorry for for erisham so this issue ends with uh erisham leader of the fourth host stands like a mountain above the incan rule uh ruins his face is hidden but his eyes can see everything that lives in the world. There they judge, they, they are eyes of a judge, even as his hands are those of a destroyer. When mankind discovers Erisham, it will find itself overwhelming power. It will find itself against overwhelming power. And, and that's the end of this issue. Now we, we could keep going, but here's the thing about this series. It doesn't, you can never stop. It, there's no good. Yeah. It, it's no like, good you know, here. certain plot lines, ends but it just goes on and on and on and you're just like where's a clean ending there is no clean ending and uh that's where the the next issue is when they think they they visit like mount olympus and like meet some of the other i think we see like makari there and some of the other ones but there's there's nothing to write home about here folks it's kind of yeah (laughs) kind of going along the same direction this is a this is a long okay i would call this like it's like a series you would binge on netflix but never a series you would watch week to week Let's call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a good way to put it, for sure. Yeah, because I, 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 I sat and read through these, but once I put them down, I I didn't have the itch to go yeah. back. <laughs> you know, I read what I had to read for this episode, did my SPC duties, and then, you know, it's just one of those things where I think, look, it's historic in a sense. I, I don't even know if Eternals are historic. I would not. Uh, let, let's not. Let's not go there. It's historic far. because it's Jack Kirby, all right? And it's the history of the freaking earth through Jack Kirby's ancient alien mind. But that's it's that's not the it's end. not the new gods. I can say that. No. New gods is legit is legit. Like, you know, may, maybe we'll do that someday. Uh whenever Zack Snyder's New Gods comes out, maybe we'll do, finally go into Jack Kirby's New Gods. But um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, I I try to judge things on a scale sometimes and judge things for the times. And you definitely I'll definitely probably, you know, curve my grade a little bit. Or I I guess I can yeah, just go, go, with my, go first. my grading right now. Um I tend to curb my grading, especially for older stuff like this, for just some of the dialogue and stuff like that. Whereas if some of this dialogue was around today, I'd be like, Oh, this is horrible writing. But for in, for that time, it was just kind of like normal writing. You know what I mean? So, um, I will give it points for creativity. It is ridiculous. Um, it is insane, but it is creative. And even though he's just stealing it all from, from ancient, from, from ancient aliens, from chariot of the gods, essentially, this is Jack Kirby's chariot of the gods. Um, but for comics, it's it's. I'm trying to I'm trying to give Jack Kirby as much as I can here. I'm going to give the writing a 
three. Wow. I'm gonna give it a three. It's like the writing itself is not great, great, but it's, you know, I think you're right that Jack Kirby should, and well, that people in general, writers and artists in general should have a collaborator and one should do one yeah. and one should do the other. If Jack Kirby cannot write and draw his own series at the level of which we expect, nobody can. That may be true. That may be true. So I, I would say, I mean, it could have benefited from maybe another writer taking Jack Kirby's overall ideas and his art and kind of running with it. Um, then again, maybe it's just a product of the times and it is what it is. And I got to stop overthinking it. I am going to give the art a four because it's Jack Kirby and the art's not bad. Uh, it's not his best work, but it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty vintage Jack Kirby. So that still gives it a seven, which I would say is higher than I would have thought I would give it. It's still higher than I would have thought I would give it, but it's better than the Eternals movie. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, think. it's, it's, yeah, it's very right? different. <laughs> But yeah, it has the nostalgia factor, at least it, even though I didn't, it's not nostalgic for me per se. It feels nostalgic. Um, you know I, I mean? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get to the same conclusion as you, but I'm not going to use the same math. I can't give Jack Kirby anything okay. below a five, <laughs> especially at this point um, around, I think it was 68 to 73. You're seeing some of him at his prime because before that he's still trying to really. You're, with you mean with his right, Yeah. With because his like before right. that, like, yeah. like when he did daredevil, like I have that Daredevil issue one in reprint. It's not great. It's good. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It, like I would even argue that Ditko at the time, Steve Ditko was a better artist than Jack Kirby at the, at, at the beginning. Um, when, when they overlapped in time at Marvel, but like, you know, Ditko kind of faded out and Kirby got better. He really did get better. So I got to give his art a five. I mean, just the art in this book alone. Like if you read nothing and you just went off the art alone, it's phenomenal. Um, I mean, he, he was the first one who wanted to full page splashes and stuff like that. Like he, he's the one who really did this. He's the one that inspired Ramita, uh, John Ramita to, to eventually really start doing that and everything else. So I got to give the art of five, the story though, with the over, over explanation and the over exposition and the dialogue and everything else, like he shouldn't have been the one doing like all the writing. Like he could have been a co-writer for this because it's his baby, but he could have at least gotten somebody yeah. in to, to help with some of that. And, um, I, I don't, I don't like it. Like I don't, I'm going to give it uh, a 2.5. So I'm giving this an overall score of a 7.5. Wow. Wow. All right. Same idea though. At the end of the day, we're all different math, same conclusion, pretty much. I, I gave it half a point higher. So it's a, it's a 14 and a half out of 20. I'd, I think that falls into the Remzo's vaunted Sunday read category. Would you say that? It's a good Sunday read. If you want to go ahead and get some, <laughs> get some real Kirby out there. And if you're, if you're, if you're researching ancient alien theory, I swear this dude knew something. <laughs> or he just took the book chariot. So the guy yeah, can make yeah, but something's one up. Other. Something feels, something feels, something feels off. Well, the, the year thing is freaking me out. Well, we got about six weeks of this year, Remzo, and we're going to find out if Arishem is going to emerge from that fucking dome. In the you 80s. should have given me 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you made this movie. You have been judged. Why is Selma Hayek wearing so many clothes? <laughs> Where is my Ajax? Where are the sunglasses? <laughs> oh, man. So... I, I will say as much as I, we kind of were knocking it, it was fun to read. Like I did enjoy reading it because it is so cheesy and so ridiculous. And the dialogue is absurd. And I unfortunately didn't have you doing the voices for me, but I did my own. And uh, th- that did get me through it in a sense. Like it, it, the joy of comics is that even when some comics are bad, it's still an enjoyable experience. 
Exactly. That is the joy of comics. It's the joy of comics, movies, everything to me. I can enjoy bad stuff as long as it's fun bad. And this would this I would say would be like fun bad. It's not bad you know? bad like Battle Scars in the How Did Nick Fury exactly. Become a Black Guy episode from Way Yonder Back. Yes. That was just bad. I think to is, is that still our lowest rated? Oh Some, no, it was JJ Abrams Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh yeah, Battle Scars was was Shakespeare con- compared to con- compared to JJ Abrams and Yeah. Son. Let's not talk about that. No, let's never speak of them again. Anyway, Mark, you want to wrap things up? I do. And if you would like to support us in our endeavors where we dive into such absurdities as the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the book that we look at today, even though it is, you know, the classic Jack Kirby can never go wrong, but he kind of went wrong a little bit. <laughs> um, then you can support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash second print pod for as little as a measly five smackers a month. That's, that's basically the cost of any comic book at this point. Um, you can, uh, you can help support us, help us support us in these endeavors, help us, uh, pay for everything we pay for here for our website, our servers, our blah, 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 our marketing. Uh, it all goes back into the show folks. That, that, that was one thing we can say over the year and a half. We, we were actually just going over the numbers before the show. We have not yet taken an actual profit. Everything we have spent has been money that has been put into this show. So we are putting it to good use. Um, so you can find help all me pay the- for my wedding. Help, yeah. Help, yeah. Starting in next year, we'll have to pay for Remzo's wedding. That's a whole different venture, but, but yeah. And we don't, you know, we don't just beg for money. We do beg for money, but we don't just beg for money. We beg for money and provide content along the way. So we do all sorts of bonus programs. My latest is a show called What Mark Missed, where Remzo gives me recommendations of comic books that I missed during my dark period from 2003 to around 2012, 2013, and I review them. So I just looked at Battle for the Cow. Did you hear that review yet? Remzo? I did, and I think we both agree without adding too much of a spoiler people should not write and draw their own comic <laughs> yes that, that theme that theme is throughout these these uh those this and that one as well for sure but yeah patreon.com slash second print pod and if you love us if you love us you like us you want to support us but you don't have money or don't want to give us any for whatever reason that's okay too you can leave us a five-star rating and a great review on apple podcast that helps us a lot that helps us bump up in the algorithms whenever someone is bored and just typing in comics on the in those podcatcher apps uh those ratings and reviews help make sure that we pop up when they do those searches so that's another great way you can help us out definitely well until next time folks did aliens give birth to humanity that we may never know but what i do know is this if you want to impact your life big or small there's one thing to do read comics and change and the change world. the world good night america adios Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.